0: Welcome to Healthy Habits, Happy Homes with the Guelph Family Health Study, where we share research and practical tips for applying it to your own family. Each week, we'll bring you evidence-based health information from experts. Our quick tips will help you create healthy habits for a happy home.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Healthy Habits Happy Homes
2: podcast. I'm Lisa and I'm Tori and this week we have on professors from the Guelph Family Health Study, Jen Newton and Andrea Bucholtz, both members of the dairy research team, here to tell us a little bit more about what they do with the Guelph Family Health Study.
1: Uh, Andrea, can you tell us a little bit about what you do?
0: Well, my background is uh, body composition, which means that I measure body fat and muscle mass. And a few years ago, some colleagues and I led some research in which we found that truncal fat, which is the fat in the top half of the body, is inversely associated with dairy and calcium intake in young adults. So in other words, the more dairy or calcium you take in, the lower the amount of fat over your trunk area. And that really led to my uh, interest in dairy.
1: And Jen?
3: So I conduct research in the area of teaching, learning, and knowledge mobilization. And I've been doing research for the last five years to determine how to most effectively mobilize knowledge related to dairy products as foods for health. Um, And I want to do this in a way that will ultimately increase consumption of dairy products and acceptable dairy alternatives.
2: All right, Andrea, can you tell us a little bit about what dairy is?
0: Dairy is um, uh, milk products made from mammals, including cows, goats, and sheep, although of course in Canada that made from uh, cow is much more common. And that includes fluid milk and products made from fluid milk. Uh, So if you think of cheese, yogurt, and kefir, which is a fermented milk drink, sort sort of like a more liquid form of yogurt.
3: And when we talk about the definition of dairy, we should also consider the definition of dairy alternatives. Um, According to Health Canada, the only alternative that's nutritionally comparable to fluid milk is actually soy milk, although this field is really changing rapidly, which puts the onus onto the consumer to carefully evaluate the nutrition facts tables of different products.
1: Well, that's really great information. So thank you for sharing that with us. So when we think about getting enough calcium to stay healthy or getting enough dairy to stay healthy, are adults and children consuming enough right now?
0: In short, no. Um, Both children and adults in Canada under consume both calcium and dairy products. So more specifically, if we think about kids, about just over a third of young children don't consume uh, sufficient milk and alternatives. So if we think of the years between 1977 and 2001, the proportion of children 2 to 18 years in the U.S. consuming milk went down. It went down from 94% to 84%, and the number of servings consumed went from 3.5 to 2.8 servings a day, and the portion size of each serving decreased from about 460 milliliters to 410 milliliters. So these stats show us that the majority of North American children aren't consuming the amount of dairy that's been recommended as the target intake for the last several decades.
2: So I understand that we just uh, put out a new Canada's food guide We no longer have any serving recommendations on this. How does this change
0: how we consume dairy? So you're right that the new version of Canada's Food Guide doesn't include servings for any food group, and in fact, it actually doesn't uh, include food groups at all. So instead, with respect to dairy, the new Food Guide indicates that Canadians should regularly consume protein-rich foods, including lower-fat milk and yogurt and cheese lower in sodium and fat. So even though the there may no longer be food groups we we still do have calcium recommendations and we know that adults and children in Canada underconsume calcium we also know that dairy continues to be the richest source of calcium in the diet
2: and why is consuming dairy of concern or why is meeting our calcium intake of concern
3: So the main reason for this is because we know that dietary habits, whether they be unhealthy or healthy, are largely established early in life. So for many people, what they eat as adults is really comparable to what they ate as children, even though we know that change is definitely possible. So, we have evidence that suggests that interventions that instill healthy lifestyle habits and prevent chronic diseases are actually most effective when initiated in preschool. So this is in children that are even less than five years of age, um, and this is even more effective than when initiated in school-aged children. So for example, we've seen that consumption of fruits among school-aged children was predicted by exposure to fruit and consumption of fruit during the preschool years. It's also of concern because we know that it's really easy to displace healthy foods with unhealthy foods, especially in children, and this changes the dietary patterns that are instilled that I just discussed. So, it's been widely observed that intakes of carbonated beverages, juice drinks, and sugar-sweetened beverages were inversely associated with milk intake, meaning the more sugary drinks are consumed, the less milk is consumed. This suggests that milk is being displaced by less healthy beverages among preschoolers. And we know that high consumption of sugar beverages had adverse consequences. One statistic is that 15.4% of the almost 2,000 children in a study uh, that was conducted in Quebec of child development who were regular consumers of sugar-sweetened beverages between the ages of 2.5 and 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 4.5 years were overweight at 4.5 years, and this is compared to only 6.9% of non-consumers of sugar-sweetened beverages. Furthermore, U.S. data suggests that for each 30-milliliter reduction in milk consumption by children aged 5 to 18 years, there's an approximately 126-milliliter increase in sugar-sweetened beverage consumption. So we know that consumption of sugar-sweetened beverages has these detrimental health effects, and it seems like it displaces a healthier alternative, which is milk.
1: So thank you for that. So now it seems from what you're telling me that um, sugar-sweetened beverages when replacing milk is definitely not a good option. As a dietitian, oftentimes I have patients in my office that say, well, we are the only adult mammals that drink milk. And so uh, to them, what, or to, to people who question maybe the benefits of dairy, can you explain a little bit more about why we need dairy?
0: So that's a great question. We know that dairy products provide many essential nutrients. So these are nutrients that our bodies can't make and that we have to get from our diets. So specifically with dairy, we know that it contains nutrients that help prevent bone problems in young and old age. We've known this for a long time. But there's new evidence that shows that dairy can help prevent obesity, type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure, and even colorectal cancer which um, I sometimes refer to sort of as the greatest hits of chronic diseases affecting Canadians. So why do we think dairy is good for our health? They're rich in these essential nutrients, including healthy fats, calcium, phosphorus, magnesium, potassium, vitamin A, vitamin D, and I suspect some listeners are going to be thinking, well, you can get calcium in other dietary sources and you can. Um, Things like fish, so sardines and canned salmons, meat alternatives like almonds and beans and some green vegetables like bok choy and fortified foods uh, like tofu or plant-based beverages like soy milk, what Jen mentioned earlier. But the reality is that over 80% of Canadians' adult dietary calcium comes from dairy products. And a U.S. review suggests that 70% of U.S. children and adolescents' total intake comes from milk, or calcium intake rather, comes from milk and cheese. So yes, you can get calcium from other sources, but in reality, uh, milk products continue to be the richest um, source of calcium.
2: Mm -hmm. We've definitely known that, right, that uh, dairy can provide us with a lot of different nutrients, so it's important to continue to include that in your diet if you can, but... Based on the research, like what are some of the myths that people think about dairy, and then how can we sort of disprove this or show that it is still valuable and worth consuming?
3: So one of the commonly held myths is that um, dairy increases the production of flammar mucus, and there's really very little evidence to support any relationship between dairy consumption and either symptoms of increased mucus production or worse, asthma control. In terms of allergies, it's definitely possible to be allergic to milk, which is different from being lactose intolerant. But this is not unique to milk and definitely holds true for any protein-containing foods. It's also uh, widely thought that milk contains contaminants. But we need to acknowledge that we have really strict rules in Canada regarding what can be found in foods, including milk, and testing occurs on a very regular basis.
2: Now, I know that um, antibiotic use and hormones in dairy can be a
3: contentious issue. What does the research tell us about this? Well, ultimately, we know that uh, the same as I mentioned for contaminants, which are are very strictly regulated in Canada, um, the use of hormones and antibiotics is very strictly regulated in Canada as well. Antibiotics can be used to treat sick cows according to basic animal welfare principles, but then the animal has to be removed from production during treatment as well as for several days afterwards. In Canada, we also pool the milk and it's tested for antibiotics and fines occur for failed tests. So Health Canada doesn't permit the use of hormones uh, to increase the the growth or production of milk, and we know that the use of antibiotics is very tightly regulated.
2: Now, will this be changing if the U.S. sort of enters the Canadian market?
3: That's a really great question. Um, So my understanding is that In contrast to Canada, in the U.S., farmers are allowed to give their cows hormones, and one of the most common ones, and it's the, the hormone that you see discussed the most in the media, is called recumbent bovine growth hormone, and this is done to increase milk production. So because of this, if you consume milk from U.S. cows, there could be exposure to these hormones. In order to mitigate this risk, you can look on the label to ensure that your milk is produced in Canada, and this can be demonstrated by the little blue and white Dairy Farmers of Canada logo on it. Now, Now, it's not a guarantee if you don't see this that you could be consuming milk that is um, contaminated with recumbent bovine growth hormone, but you may assume that it is likely coming from the U.S.
2: That's a great tip. Thanks, Jen. So, based on the research that you've done, um, why do kids and adults consume insufficient dairy?
3: Yeah, that's a really loaded question. Um, I'm going to just touch on those very quickly. I could go on for a long time about this, but really there are many reasons. So we've got, uh, first of all, of course, the issue of taste. Some people just simply don't like the taste of dairy products. Uh, we have a pretty strong influence from people such as parents and peers and other role models. And this is obviously um, much more uh, of an issue for, for young children being influenced by their parents. Um, but peers can be an influence at any point in time. Convenience is another factor that we've seen come out in the research so sometimes it's just not convenient to bring say a liquid dairy product with you and then we also have uh, this issue of what we call food pairing so everybody that eats breakfast cereal knows that breakfast cereal goes well with milk Um, we also know kind of based on this cereal and milk relationship that people who skip breakfast are less likely to consume milk and one area that uh, we've seen quite a significant decline in terms of consumption over the last few years is the consumption of breakfast cereals so there are also economic influences and Dairy products can be expensive, this is, a, this is a reality. And there are also cultural influences, so milk is just simply not commonly used by, um, or consumed by people of certain ethnicities.
0: I can also add, uh, some of my research that I've done with some colleagues has shown that young adults in Canada are confused about dairy. They really don't know which end is up. So an equal number will say they disagree as agree with statements like organic milk products are more beneficial than traditional milk products, dairy products provide extra unwanted calories, and milk products contain added antibiotics and or hormones, uh, what Jen mentioned earlier. So all of these things have been identified as barriers to dairy product consumption in our study of young Canadian adults.
3: Yeah, and it speaks to the issue of, I um, mean, perhaps you could identify some of these things as being myths. And so we we know that there are some myths or misconceptions surrounding um, the relationship between dairy and and health and even just dairy and, and its nutritional composition.
1: So many of the listeners of the Healthy Habits Happy Homes podcast are uh, parents of young children. So if a parent themselves or perhaps one of their children are lactose intolerant, how can they also get the benefits of dairy?
0: Plant-based alternatives to dairy are an option, certainly. However, not all alternatives are equally nutritious, especially relative to cow's milk. So to ensure that you're getting the most nutrition bang for your buck, so to speak, it pays to read food labels closely. So for an example, soy-based beverages are uh, actually really good sources of protein, whereas other plant-based beverages like rice milk aren't. Similarly, not all plant-based beverages in Canada have added vitamins and minerals, or not in the same amounts. so it really pays to label read.
2: And what if your child just doesn't like dairy?
3: A really great way to encourage your child to consume dairy, or any food for that matter, is just to be a role model and consume that product yourself. Children also need repeated exposure to a wide variety of dairy products, so just because they don't like fluid milk doesn't mean they won't like cheese or yogurt. Parents can also involve children in meal planning and shopping, too, and make sure that dairy is readily available and easy to find and also visible in the home.
1: So I know when I go shopping for dairy, there's not a cheese I haven't met a cheese I, I didn't love. But <laughs> what what could we look what should we look for when we are shopping for dairy?
3: I would say that the main consideration uh, when it comes to dairy products is is sugar. And that's because this can be really high in some products like sweetened yogurts. It's important to realize though that there's also naturally occurring sugar in milk, and this is different from added sugar. So when you look at white milk, it will show sugar in its nutrition facts table, but uh, this is n- the naturally occurring sugar that occurs in the, in the milk product. Uh, and this is in contrast to if you were to look at a chocolate milk beverage where you would see a combination of both the added sugar as well as the naturally occurring sugar. So just keep an eye on that because it can get quite high in some of those products.
2: And what's the deal with low fat versus high fat dairy?
3: Yeah, this is quite a contentious issue. So particularly for very young children who need to consume higher amounts of fat in their diet, high-fat foods like cheese consumed in moderation can be a really great part of a healthy diet. But as children get older, it's recommended by medical authorities to reduce consumption of high-fat dairy, such as whole milk, and replace this with lower-fat dairy. Now, I'm gonna put in a a real note of caution here um, because there's accumulating research evidence that suggests that high fat dairy is actually really good for health and it doesn't uh, have negative health attributes associated with it the way that we once thought it did, probably because of the specific fatty acids that are present. And so this has led to some questioning these low fat dietary dairy recommendations. This is gonna be an area that I think we see quite a bit of um, movement in, in terms of research over the next year. So it's just something to pay attention to.
2: I'll be keeping an eye out for that the next Mm -hmm. time I go to the grocery store. Mm -hmm. Um, So on Healthy Habits Happy Homes, we have a tradition of sharing with our listeners some take-home tips. So, Andrea, did you want to share a few take-home tips about dairy?
0: Sure. So making sure that your children consume uh, dairy or appropriate plant-based alternatives is important for their short-term and long-term health. In the short-term, we know that particularly dairy products are... um, really beneficial for growth and development. And then long-term health, um, you know, we know that there is um, an association between um, higher dairy consumption and lower risk of some of the chronic diseases I mentioned earlier. You can use alternatives to replace dairy, but because they're not all nutritionally equal, it's important to read uh, labels and know what you're buying. Encouraging everyone in the household to consume dairy is a a good strategy. Remember that your little ones look up to to you as parents. And then find out what types of dairy your children like and involve the children in meal planning and shopping. Thank you so much
1: for those great tips. And thank you so much for joining us. I think our listeners have a lot of really great information from today's podcast. So we'll see you all next week
2: on Healthy Habits, Happy Homes. Mm.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Healthy Habits, Happy Homes. We can't wait to have you tuning with us next week. But in the meantime, if you'd like to connect, you can visit our website, www.guelffamilyhealthstudy.com or visit us on Facebook at Guelph Family Health Study. Thanks and have a great week.